Welcome to Footnote, a show about overlooked history. I'm Emily Gaddick. We're going to start today's show with a little medical experiment. As a woman, I really shouldn't be doing this. Um, <laughs> first of all, can I ask, do you eat a lot of spicy foods? Uh, a fair amount, yes. And what kind of spices? Um, I'm particular to cayenne. Curry I like as well. That, that's not good. Um, and do you eat any white bread? Uh, on occasion, yes. It's also not I good. I ate some today. So it, was, it was terrible for me, I'm sure. <laughs> feel worse already. <laughs> <laughs> and um, can I ask, this is a little bit more of a personal question. Do you have a girlfriend? Uh, not currently, no. Okay. Um, do you masturbate? Uh, not at the moment. Okay, well, that, that's, one good, <laughs> that's one thing in your favor. Okay. Um, the spicy foods, though, is worrying me. That right. it, uh, so we've got we've to fix that stat. Uh, and I, I have something here that, that might help you if, you, if you'd like right. to take a few. Sure. Tastes good. <laughs> You've eaten almost a whole cracker now. How do you feel now? I, I feel much better. Yes. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm heaven bound. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> a converted grandma. That delicious cracker you've been hearing so much about is one of the last remaining traces of a diet craze that swept the U.S. in the 1830s. Kind of like the South Beach diet, but with more of an emphasis on bread, God, and masturbation. The diet was the life work of a preacher named Sylvester Graham, and his creation is, of course, the Graham Cracker. There was really no better time than America in the 1830s and 40s to be a man with a cause. It was an era of prophets and gurus, each pushing a new religion or pet reform. William Lloyd Garrison rallied abolitionists. Joseph Smith preached that he had met the angel Moroni. Dorothea Dix crusaded for asylums to rehabilitate the mentally ill. And Sylvester Graham taught that the road to salvation went through the stomach. like many reformers of his time, was a minister and was very concerned with not only physical health, but also spiritual health and saw a very strong connection between what you ate and your moral fiber. And then also by extension, the health and morality of society. That's our guide through the world of Sylvester Graham. I'm Cindy Lobel, and I'm a historian of uh, the 19th century U.S., especially urban areas and food. The thing about Graham is that people thought he was a quack, but a lot of what he said actually was right. <laughs> Basically, what he said was that refined flours were not good and that bread should be made with bran. 
Graham bread actually became a, a catch-all for kind of whole wheat bread, bread that was made with uh, flours that were not refined. He encouraged a vegetarian diet. In part, his theories were in opposition to an industrializing food system we were seeing the very beginnings of in the 1830s, and a lot of the uh, critiques of today's food reformers, like Michael Pollan, the root of the concerns is actually similar. But as Dr. Lobel pointed out to me, he also believed in a lot of things that in retrospect are pretty medieval. Graham was obsessed with temperance across the board. To him, eating spicy foods or white bread was just as dangerous as drinking alcohol, since all could inflame passions that could damage the body and ruin the soul. Meat and dairy were also to be avoided, as were hot food and drink, tobacco, caffeine, feather beds, and tight corsets. Sleeping with the windows open in winter was in, but sex for anything other than procreation was definitely out. Graham believed that losing semen made men sick. Graham's greatest adversaries were practicers of Onania, chronic masturbators. He could spot a masturbator at 50 yards. His unhealthy habits would give him acne, sallow skin, and a timid aspect. If a boy masturbated often, he'd grow up, quote, with a body full of disease and with a mind in ruins, the loathsome habit still tyrannizing over him, with the inexorable imperiousness of a fiend of darkness. wasn't exactly pushing people to follow their bliss. But his pitch struck a chord that resonated with the puritanical set. And he toured the country, lecturing on the twin evils of unhealthy diet and sexual perversion. His followers, known as Grahamites, started vegetarian and temperance societies nationwide. And they could be just as fanatical as Graham himself. Oberlin College's dining hall fell under the purview of a Grahamite named David Campbell. Campbell refused to allow students to eat white bread, meat, or dairy, or use condiments of any kind. According to campus lore, when an Oberlin professor refused to stop using pepper to spice his meals, Campbell got him fired. That being said, a good chunk of mainstream Americans were not on board with Graham's agenda. A lot of people saw him as downright obnoxious, which is maybe what a reformer should be. We look back at reformers because in many cases we agree with their principles. We think that they were good <laughs> or that they were reasonable. But, you know, a lot of reformers were considered, you know, they were radicals and their contemporaries looked upon them as, as radicals. And Graham was a radical in many ways. Sure, he had his crunchy hippie theories about making your own bread and eating lots of vegetables. But he also broke a lot of social taboos, especially about the public discussion of sexuality. A strange coalition of protesters often attacked his lectures. A combination of moralists who were uncomfortable that Graham discussed masturbation and sex in front of women, and bakers and butchers who were annoyed by his calls for people to prepare their own food at home. 
when Graham gave lectures, uh, he would sometimes have a turnout of bakers because Graham's issue about the, the flour and the bread uh, extended to saying that bread should be made at home and that uh, it was actually impossible for commercial bakers to create a healthy and even moral product because he was really hearkening back to this sort of pre-industrial era uh, where the mother cooked at home and infused her bread with love. And it was sort of a nostalgia for an earlier era that for, for many of these people didn't really even exist. But for all the Grammites' righteous fervor, it turns out the bakers were right. America just wasn't ready for whole grain deliverance. Graham's philosophy largely petered out after he left the lecture circuit in 1838. There were a few hardliners who kept his holistic crusade alive, and it's thanks to them we can still see the ghost of his thinking in grocery stores today. Contemporary graham crackers would be far too sweet for Graham's liking, but he would approve of granola, muesli, and Kellogg's cornflakes, all created by men who embraced Graham's philosophy that a righteous life can't be lived without a proper diet. So the next time you make a s'more or pour a bowl of cereal, know that you, in your small way, are eating your way to righteousness. As long as you leave the milk off those cornflakes, that is. Thanks to Byron Gray for trying Graham's Cure at the top of the show, and to Cindy Lobel for speaking with me about Graham, diet reform, and the swinging 1830s. And thank you for listening. You can find more Footnote online at footnotepodcast.com and on soundcloud.com slash footnotepodcast or on iTunes under podcasts. Until next time. The repercussions of each little action you take like ripples roam a